Well, good morning, church. It is great to be back here with you. I thought that was a pretty decent good morning. Can we try it again? Good morning, church. That was much better. It's 11 o'clock. You should have all the coffee you need at this point. It is great to be back here with all of you this morning. I pray that you guys have had a God-awesome week, um, that God has been blessing you as you're going throughout the week, and today is another day to kick off another week of his blessing in your life. Uh, I love Sundays. Sundays are my fun days as we come and worship our awesome God and celebrate life change through his son, Jesus Christ. If you're new with us this morning, welcome. Welcome to Vertical Church. We love the fact that you are here today. We celebrate that you are with us. My name is Rich. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. I just want to thank you for joining us. We hope that we made you feel welcome, wanted, and that you're willing to come back and hang with us on another Sunday as we chase this life, uh, what it means to live for and with Jesus Christ. You know, as we get going this morning, gang, open your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we'll be starting at verse 31 this morning. Romans 8, verse 31. I hope you have a way to read God's word with you today, if your Bibles or your Bible apps, so we can kind of walk through the scripture together. Um, if you do not have anything with you, don't worry, don't fret, it's going to be on the screen, you can follow along. Uh, but we are in this series, uh, week three of this series, so much more. So much more. In Jesus, you and I have a life of so much more. And unfortunately, in Jesus, we have a life of so much more than many of us are actually living. Um, we have this life with him, and he calls us out, and he has for us, but we have things in our life that are blocking us to, to actually receive that, the promised life in him that we've been chosen uh, to give, that he's been chosen to give us. Um, <clears throat> over the years in our lives, there have been barriers put in our place, building blocks put in front of us that become so big, so blinding, that we can't see beyond them to the reality of the promised life that Jesus has for us, uh, the promised life that he has given us, the fullness and the freedom that God has for each and every one of us in this room. And what I would want to do is right now in this series, we're walking through this, having these conversations on a Sunday morning, God is giving us an opportunity God has given us an opportunity just to put the pause button in life and start reflecting on some of these thieves and robbers that are in our lives. Not only to identify them, but through the power of the word and his Holy Spirit to bust free of them in our lives, to get them out of our way so you and I can grab a hold of life that's truly life in Jesus Christ. And that's the basis of this whole series. That's where we're going to go. And it's built on a one verse found in John chapter 10, verse 10. You can see it on a screen. It is, a thief comes to only steal, kill, and destroy. I, Jesus, come that they may have life and have it to the full. So you come to this understanding that in Jesus, he not only sets the stage for life, how he has called us to live a life with him, but he also sets the bar in life. Like, this is where I, in me, this is where I want you to live. But so many times we have these thieves and robbers and barriers that we're actually living less than what he has for us. And he wants to walk us through, and we want to understand how to break free. And so as you understand this in John chapter 10, if you actually read through this, and we shared this, it points back to this phrase I've been sharing every single week, is that anyone or anything leading you away from Jesus or the promised life in him is a thief. Things in your life right here, right now that are stopping you or leading you away from the promised life in Jesus, the freedom and the fullness that he has for you is a thief. Simply that we, in this right in front of us right now, have two lives before us. The lives that we are currently living, going down a path, dealing with these thieves, dealing with these robbers, and they're killing us from the inside out. 
or we can start living the promised life in Christ, receiving the complete fullness and freedom that he offers, the best possible life for all eternity in heaven. Yay! Yay! Are you guys, is this on? Yay! In heaven. But also the best possible life right here, right now. And I think sometimes we get wrapped up in this thing. We're going to be with Jesus forever and all eternity. That's going to be absolutely amazing. We forget that we have the best possible life available to us right here, right now, in this thing called planet Earth. And last week we ended ended the conversation. I challenge you to start seeing you as God sees you. See you as God sees you is the phrase that I used last week. Because having the right view of ourselves, the right perspective of who we are before God, gives us the firm foundation foundation that we need to start busting free. See, when we truly understand who we are in Jesus, the things that stand in front of us become a barrier from receiving everything, start to fade away. We look at them for what they are and understanding because we understand who we are in Jesus Christ. And they start building this foundation. And this morning, we're going to continue to build that identity issue that many of us have. See, right now, you're open to the book of Romans. The book of Romans was written by a sold-out follower of Jesus, a guy named Paul. Paul, at one point, didn't like Jesus, didn't like the church or anything about it. But as he came face-to-face with the risen Christ, his whole life changed. I say all the time that Jesus changes everything. Uh, But outside of Jesus, I think Paul is one of the most influential people in human history for the gospel and for the cause of the church. As you read through the scripture and what his words were, how God used him, he's one of the most influential people that God has used for the kingdom. And when I come to the book of Romans, when we step into this conversation, the phrase that comes to my mind, it may not make sense to you, but I will try to explain it, is a theological juggernaut. That's what I think of the book of Romans. The book of Romans to me is a theological juggernaut. Theology meaning... That it's a deep study of all things God. Juggernaut meaning it never ends. It just keeps on going. As we read through the book of Romans, it continues to be pour out overwhelming force of truth about who God is, the presence of sin in our lives, and how salvation comes about, and how Jesus continues to reform us, make us more like himself, and how that's what he wants to do in our life. And so when we continue to read this, it overwhelms us. And I think if we'd actually stopped and we looked at the book of Romans, we read it at half speed. I don't know about you, sometimes I read scripture, I'm like, ding, done. You know, if we stop and actually read what God is saying to us through this book, maybe half speed or quarter speed, maybe you got to just kind of go snail speed, I don't know what it is, but we'll start revealing the richness of what God has for us in his son, Jesus Christ, and how, how amazing that is. And with that being said, this morning, I believe we're stepping into one of the most powerful chapters in all of Scripture, and that's Romans chapter 8. Uh, maybe someday we'll walk through a complete series as we walk through it. But today, I want to focus on some of the end verses to kind of go where we're going for the purposes of this morning's conversation. So if you have your Bibles open, Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 31, or you can follow on the screen, it says, What then, this is Paul talking, what then shall we say in response to these things? Let's just stop right there. These things that Paul is speaking about actually are found several verses prior. He starts laying out all these things and he sums it up in actually in verse 30 of what he's, these things are. Look at it on the screen in verse 30. It says, and those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. 
See, Paul is proclaiming that not only we were predestined to be with God, that he called us to himself. That before anything was anything, God chose us. He had it in his mind for us to be with him. And it goes beyond that. It says we are justified, meaning that you and me are put in a right standing before God. That through Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection, and our surrendering our lives to him, we are able to stand rightly justified before the king of kings. And then he says we're going to be glorified or being glorified. That means that right now as we were pursuing this life with Jesus, we are becoming more like Jesus. And then one day we're going to cross a threshold into heaven. Yay. Okay, just making sure you're still with me. Yay. And we become more like Jesus there. And that's going to be a beautiful day when that takes place. And that's when our salvation becomes complete. Because we're going to be with our Lord and Savior for the rest of eternity. And Paul says, what then shall we say in response to these things? What do we say in response to these things? But then he adds a statement or a question at the end of the 31st verse that changes everything. And these words at the end of this verse are revealing so much of our stance before God in this world and our relationship with him. And it says, look at this on the screen, it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? And I'm wondering if you saw it. Did you see the four words that sets the foundation for you and I breaking free? There are four words that take every thief and robber and gives them the eviction notice. Four words that punches our enemy in the face and states, you no longer have a hold on me. Four words. Did you see them? Well, just in case you didn't, I'm going to tell you what they are, okay? Walk you with me. This is it. God is for us. Four words. God is for us. God is for you. That's a crazy powerful statement that in the middle of life, in the middle of our lives being stolen from us, being robbed from us, being pushed down, reminding who we, telling us who we weren't, not who we are, that we miss the full implication of these four words in our lives, that God is for us. Have you ever stopped? Have you ever stopped and asked, what does it mean that God is for me? Have you ever slowed down and to think through how these four words impact our lives if we let them? God is for you, for you, for you, and for you. Let's just walk through this for a second. I'm talking about this God. Get a little God. The one who's creator of everything from nothing. That is who God is. God, the creator of life itself. God, who is the sustainer of every life at every moment, considering right now as being part of those moments. If you look back at Job chapter 34 and look at verses 14 and 15, this is kind of the God we're talking about is it was his intention. He's talking about God. If it was God's intention, he withdrew his spirit and breath. All humanity would perish together and mankind would return to the dust. If it was God's intention, this is the God we're talking about. He is the one who gives life. He ones who created everybody, Adam, from the dust and breathed life into his nose and he gives us breath every single moment. If it was his intention, he could take it all away and we'd all turn back to dust. That is God. 
the one who, who places stars in place and knows them by name. Each one, the one who, who formed you in your mother's womb, the king and the kings, the one who is fully, completely, everywhere, all at once, with all his majesty. He is the one who is right here, right now, with all of his glory. He is the one who knows the beginning and the end. That's why we call him the Alpha and the Omega. He is the one who sits outside of time because he created time. That blows my mind. God, that God, our God, is for us. He stands beside you. He wants the best for you. And as we move forward in life, he is our protector, our comforter, our fortress, our stronghold, our shepherd who knows you by name. Come on. And as his children, we have his spirit within us. Paul says earlier in chapter 8, the same spirit that rose, that rose Jesus Christ from the dead resides in us as his children. I don't even know how to quantify that. But he's in us, and that spirit rose Jesus Christ from the dead. It just blows my mind again. I, all right, so I shared this first service. You can't laugh. I'm going to date myself here. You ever watch the show, cartoon He-Man? I said you can't laugh. Yeah, some of you in here in this room? Okay, so some of you will get what I'm saying. So He-Man he is this cartoon back when I was a kid, and he was this goofy little prince, you know, and I don't know what he, what he did. I really don't remember any of that stuff. But I do remember is that he had this sword, and then he'd call him the power of grace God. and be like, I have the power, and all of a sudden he just turned this monster guy, and He-Man, you're not with me. I got one woo, thank you. Okay, so that's kind of, maybe I'm not as ripped as He-Man is, but you know, whatever. But that's kind of, think through this. The same spirit that rose Jesus Christ and that that power resides in us as his children. That God, he is for us. But that's not all it says. It's not all it says. Paul completes a statement that shows us exactly what God is for us means. If God is for us, who can be against us? If the God I described, all those things, that all who he is, is just a, a snippet of who he is, is for us, who can be against us? And the answer is very simple. It's implied, no one. No one or no thing. No one can stand between us and God. No matter who they are, they can't stand before us. No matter what they are, those barriers, thieves, and robbers, whatever they may be, they can't stop us from the love of God through his son, Jesus Christ. Why? Because God is for us. Thieves and robbers have been stealing our hope, destroying our dreams, killing us daily on the inside. Do not stand a chance to our almighty God, because he is for us. There is nothing that withstands the might and the power of God in our lives if we allow him. Allow him to work. Nothing. Say that with me. Nothing. Say it again. Nothing. What can stand in the way of God's power in our lives? 
What can stop him working in us if we lay out our lives and confess our sins and say, God, I'm all yours. What can do that? What can get in the way? Not your shame. Not the past. Not what others have said to you or about you or done to you that make you feel worthless. Telling that you will amount to anything. Not the fears that have been holding you captive for years. Not the habits. Not the addictions that have been literally cutting your lives out at the knees. Nothing. Absolutely nothing can stand in the way. Because God is for us. Amen? But then Paul doesn't leave him alone. I don't know. He actually throws down some justification words for his words. Like, this is why I can say these things. Look at verse 32. He who did not spare his own son but gave, his, gave him up for us, how will you not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, is also interceding for us. Our God is standing over us. Our Lord Jesus Christ is interceding for us, stepping in the middle, pleading our case, taking our punches, proclaiming today and every single day, not today, Satan. You don't have a chance. You don't have the authority in their lives. You don't have the power to hold them down. Why? Because I am for them. And then Paul continues. He says, who shall separate the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We consider it as sheep to be, consider, to be slaughtered. He's quoting Psalm 44. If you go back and read it later, he's walking through this idea and this idea, what were all the stuff we we're going through, God? And they're calling for him to intervene. He says, no. None of those things, and all these things, you, me, we, the church, those who are in Jesus are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And everything that's coming at us, everything that we're dealing with in life, those thieves and robbers that are standing in the way, those mountain-sized barriers are in front of us that we can't see the promised life behind them. We're more than conquerors over them. See, I think we need to, again, slow down and see the significance of the statement. We need to understand what more than conquerors means. See, in Jesus, we are completely victorious, and we are continually victorious. I don't think you're with me on that. If you said yes to Jesus, he is your Lord and Savior, Savior, you are completely victorious for what's in front of you. And you're continually victorious. Look, sit back and think about what Paul is saying. In the past, nation after nation, kingdom after kingdom would come at each other with everything they had. They take each other out. 
destroying each other. To one would be a conqueror over the other. They would destroy their lands. They would take their possessions. They would take slaves. They would kill entire populations as to say, I own you. It was complete domination. And if you look back into the first century, the context in which Paul is speaking, the group of people that he's writing to, first century Christians in Rome, and Rome was the capital of the Mediterranean world for almost 200 years. And they were ran by these ruthless guys called Caesars. And they're a very powerful nation that just assimilated kingdom after kingdom. And they were a huge cultural influence at that time. So Paul's writing to these people. Understanding what a more than conqueror would be. They would clearly understand what that meant. And he's telling them no matter what they're facing. No matter what their enemy wants to do. How he wants to completely dominate them and us and our lives. We stand before those thieves and robbers that are stealing God's best from you. saying, you, me, we, in the church, we are more than conquerors. Whatever is in front of us. We are more than conquerors. That means we take everything that we understand everything we know about what conquering means and say, in Jesus, it far surpasses that. We don't settle. In Jesus, we're not meant to just to settle. We're meant to flourish. In Jesus, we're not meant to just survive. He wants us to thrive. Those thieves and robbers are stealing the best possible life. We crush them. And we look them in the face. And we tell them, Jesus owns you. You don't own me. I think that we, I think we forget that we stand armed for a battle that Jesus already won. He already, he already proclaimed victory before we even stepped on the battlefield. And in him, we have been promised victory. In him, we've been promised a life of so much more. But we failed to believe it. We failed to live it. And I wonder why. And if this is true, that we're completely victorious and, and continually victorious in Jesus Christ, that means we need to take these mountain-sized barriers that are in front of us and make them meet the guy who made the mountains himself. We need to bring our fears and our worries, our anxieties, our insecurities and let them meet the God that we know, the God who is for us. And let them be crushed by the truth of the word of the gospel. Because we have been redeemed. In Christ, you are a new creation, friends. The old you is gone, the new you is here.
And the new you, because of everything Jesus, is a conqueror of the old you. The old life, the old habits, the old addictions, the old failures, the old shame. The new you has been set free. And I think as Paul brings this passage to the end, it becomes a pretty abundantly clear what he's talking about. He says, I am, for, I am convinced in verse 38. I am convinced, meaning nothing's gonna change my mind. I put all the evidence there, did all the research, and this is what I believe. That neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future or any powers, neither height or depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of Christ that he has for us. Nothing. Again, why don't we believe it? Why don't we live it? If the scripture is true, you know, two weeks ago, I, we hand out some verse memory cards. And I asked us as a church to, to memorize two verses to start proclaiming the freedom that we have. Understanding that who we are in Jesus and what we have through his word. And then I put out there, we put out there on our, our Facebook page this lock screen. Like, okay, but here's another help. Because you know, we, lo- we leave our Bibles, we leave those cards, we lose our cards, whatever. But for some reason, we never leave home without our phone. So we can pick it up and say, okay, this is, this is what I should be memorizing. This is what I should be, remember who I am and what stands before me and who walks with me, who's within me. And you can read these verses and understand it and proclaim it. And we've been given everything we need for life. That God is for us. His son died for us to have a life with him. He's given us his spirit to be, to be within us, to guide us. His word to be a lamp for us, to free us. Is our weapon. But we have to choose. We have to decide. Am I okay with a life that I'm living? Or am I going to embrace the freedom that he's truly given me? You have to decide that. I know because of his word, what he has for you. But you're the one that has to embrace it for yourself. So this is what I want to do. I'm going to ask you to stand. And we're going to read through these, these two scriptures in 2 Corinthians 10. We're going to read them out loud together. And my hope is you start believing them and understanding what they mean and start breaking free. That's all. Let's read it. 
The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish That's for you. I don't know what you're fighting. I don't know what's in front of you. I don't know what's holding you back or pushing you down. But that's the truth. And that is for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for Jesus. God, as we walk through this series trying to understand the life is so much more than many of us are not living. Let us remember the weapons that you have given us are not the weapons of the world that we think of power and destruction, but your weapons that have divine power, your spirit that resides within us, your word that you have given us. to set the captives free, to demolish the strongholds that are holding us back. And take every, every thought that the enemy whispers in our ears, in our lives, and make it obedient to you. You have already won you have proclaimed victory. And all we need to do is stand up and live the life you've called us to live. Believe in you. Understand you are for us. And we're not alone. Right now I'm gonna ask the prayer team to come forward. And if you're sitting here this morning thinking, man, I have no idea. I have no idea what, what this thief or robber is in my life, what's stealing from me. What's stopping me? What's that stronghold in my life? Or maybe you do. You're like, I, I understand, Rich. This is the something I've been dealing with all my life, and I can't just bust free. I need some help with that. Come forward. Man, we want to pray with you. We want to pray, Jesus, over you and in your life. So you understand the reality and truth of what breaking free looks like. We, we believe in the power of prayer. Or maybe you're here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus. And you're just trying to figure this whole thing out. Like, man, I really, I really wish I had a better life. Well, maybe it's time for you to come forward and talk to one of our prayer, prayer partners and, and be prayed for and prayed with and surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Embrace a life to the full by first embracing the one who gives it. God, I understand. Breaking free takes great courage. And it's not easy. 
but I keep on coming back to the truth of your word that victory has already been given. May that carry us through. May we trust in you. In your son's name I pray. Amen. God bless church. Have a great week.